This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Saka Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, welcome. It's the second edition of the Saka Cricket Show. My name is Travis Wakeling. Boy, oh boy, do I have a special guest with me in the studio today. It is the one and only, our esteemed leader of the SA Scorpions and back-to-back WBBL Adelaide Strikers champion, Gemma Barsby. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Love that little intro. Just pumping me up there. Thank oh, you. Oh, look, well, you're having a pretty good time out there at the moment. Yeah, it's been um, yeah pretty good season thus far. Obviously, like you said, going back to back with the strikers, so that's definitely been a standout for the season thus far. Well, you're, you know, it's it's a funny where the cricket schedule is a funny one where you sort of start in one competition and then you you take on a different a different path for a little while and then you get back into the scorps as well. So sort of you started off well with the scorps. You took a five for early in the season, I reckon, and it was a pretty uh, pretty economical five for as well. Yeah, it's obviously, yeah, like you said, you chop and change there where you do the whole preseason as a Scorpion and then, um, yeah, play four games with them and then you pretty much go straight into into the Strikers for eight weeks and then after that you go straight back into Scorps. So, yeah, it's pretty chop and change. But, yeah, it was nice nice start for us Scorpions um, getting, well, getting three, three wins out of four games and um, two of them with bonus points. So, yeah, we definitely started well, and um, which was great lead into, into the Strikers season. That's right. And so, obviously, what an incredible season um, the team had. It was so good to watch. Uh, in my role, I get to get along to all the games and, and be involved in, in sort of one very small way in the membership space. But it's great to, you know, watch the progression of the team. And it felt like last season you guys were hunting and, you know, you sort of came back like the second half of the season, you really came home with a wet sail. And then this season, you just felt like you had that extra season under the belt playing together and you just felt like we had such a strong squad. How how has sort of the mentality changed from last season going into this one? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we were the hunted this year. Obviously, winning last season and, and kind of how it all unplayed where we probably didn't start great in Mackay. We lost both those games there. So we're kind of on the back foot and then, yeah, came home strong. And we obviously had that incredible um, semi-final that Karen Rolton last year that got us into the final. And yeah, it was a pretty crazy um, back end where we had that game and then we're on a flight at 6am the next morning to, to get to Sydney to play the Sixers. And um, yeah, it was probably a blessing in disguise where we didn't have too much time to think about it. And then um, obviously winning the maiden title there was something unbelievable. And 
um, we had a whole dearly. And then coming into this year, we knew we were hunted. We knew that we were right up there again to to hopefully go back to back. We pretty much had a the same squad, just different internationals and um, and a couple of new additions as well. So we were pretty excited and we had that belief that we really wanted to go back to back. And yeah, thankfully that paid off. Now, you played the final Adelaide Oval, which was incredible, in front of over 12,000 fans. How was that experience for you being back at the Oval? Obviously, you played a game there earlier in the season, a couple of weeks prior to that, where we had a little bit of rain around. But um, to get back and win that uh, championship in front of the fans at Adelaide Oval, what did that mean to the team? Oh, it was something very special. we been in the finals the last three seasons and they are all been away, so we were gunning for that home final this year. Obviously, getting the taste of last year and, and winning that, we are like, this year, right, we're wanting that home final. We wanted to play at Adelaide Oval in front of our home fans. And I guess when it got towards that back end of the, the regular season, we knew we were in a really red-hot crack for to get in that home final. And, yeah, once we knew we had that, it was, it was something pretty special. We had a pretty hectic uh, trip this well season this year with a lot of away trips so we're on a plane quite a bit and then to be able to finish that last game at the SCG to then have a whole week off well yeah a week lead into the home finals something pretty special just to I guess really soak it in and um, yeah the fans were unbelievable we got, got out there and we we're probably on the back foot for a lot of that game and um, it wasn't until probably the back end of us out in the field that you really the, the crowd really started to play a part and put the pressure right back on the Brisbane Heat. Yeah and uh, you said that obviously we you we probably felt like maybe the, that score that we put on the board batting first was a little bit below par but um, you got the ball rolling after a after a bit of a uh, fast start by the Heat. Uh, it was yourself that came in and took the huge wicket of Grace Harris. Now, Grace Harris has been in incredible form this season and an absolute bully at the top of the order for the Brisbane Heat. How did that feel to take that wicket? And did you feel like that was a big breakthrough in the game? Yeah, it was quite funny. Obviously, I did the um, 10 over, well, the drinks break chat with... Um, with the Fox Sports there, and and I said that we were hoping to get 160, and obviously, yeah, we fell way short of that, and we all probably knew deep down that we're about 20 runs short. So we knew though that we got the best ball and attack in in the business, and if we if our batters found it hard, it's going to be hard for them as well. So yeah, I was lucky enough. I probably wasn't the best delivery I've bowled to to get Grace Harris out, and I know back at club cricket back in Queensland, she would pumped me for six quite a lot. So um, I was, yeah, thankful to to get that wicket. She towed it to Katie Mack at Cow there. And, yeah, that got, got us rolling there. Like they, like you said, they got off to a very uh, fast start. But we knew that was going to happen with them, obviously with the likes of Grace Harris at the top there. She only really knows one way, and that's and that's what they would like to play, that aggressive style of cricket. So, um, yeah, once we got that first wicket and then once we started to take a few more there and the run rate started to go up, we, we really knew we were in a sniff there. Absolutely. And I'm going to fast forward to the end of the innings because uh, it was the last over and the Heat needed five runs to win. And uh, Wello had just been hit for a six by their number nine. And I saw another ball get skied and it headed right down towards long off. And it was yourself there under the ball. From where I was sitting, I could not see whether it was going to go over or whether it was going to fall short. And if you were going to take the catch, were you going to step over the boundary? How, talk us through, talk us through that moment because honestly, safe hands. What an you know, well played to you for taking the catch. I know I would have absolutely bundled it, but um, talk us through that moment for you. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was quite 
surreal, to be honest. It was kind of just a bit of a slow-mo, to be honest. Obviously, yeah, like you said, she hit a sixth the ball before, and I don't think she even connected, but because the wind was also coming towards us, I think that played a part. So, yeah, I saw the ball go straight up, and I can actually, to be honest, I can still picture that ball <laughs> glowing in the dark with the lights at Adelaide Oval at the moment. And, um, yeah, it was kind of, like I said, a bit of slow-mo. It just went up, and I kind of took a couple of steps in because I didn't think it was going to reach the whole way. And then the wind obviously took a little bit and I started to backtrack. And that's where I had, to be honest, lost where the boundary was. So <laughs> I was kind of yeah, thankful there that I was able to stay inside the rope and, and take the catch. And yeah, it was um, something pretty special for Michaela Inkley to be able to come up and well, come out and nearly hit two sixes in the um, in a row to, to get them across the line. But thankfully, yeah, I just was just trying to stay calm um, as soon as you start thinking, don't drop it, don't drop it, that's when you usually drop it. So I was just trying to stay calm as possible. And, um, yeah, thankfully I went straight into the mitts. And you would not have you would have had a while to think about it while it was up there for a <laughs> very long time. Now, was that the clinical way that you would usually take that catch? Because it looked like you sort of took it to the side a bit. Like, I, I, how is that how you'd practice taking that catch? Yeah, I'm usually, yeah, fingers, fingers um, like, well, hands hands up like that. So, um I'm not a big one with the the fingers up. So, um, yeah, I knew when I was getting close to the rope there that I was pretty safe with how I was going to um, how I was gonna take that. So, yeah, I think it's just the natural way of how I like to take it. And, um, yeah, like I said, thankfully it's stuck in the mitts and we're able to take that wicket. Love it. Well, your form's been pretty good as well. So we've just transitioned back into the Scorpion season and uh, you – personally have started pretty well. Uh, obviously, the team had a little bit of a disappointing week with a close loss against Tassie, uh, who were undefeated down down in Tasmania last week. But in terms of the squad, we've got like you know some similar players across the strikers and uh, Scorp squads. How do, how do you see the rest of the season playing out? Yeah, absolutely. I was, obviously, it wasn't ideal going to Tassie and losing both those games, especially probably in the second one where it was a bit of um, ebb and flow there with the game, but we probably got ourselves into a position to win that and unfortunately didn't take those chances. So we'll go into the Chrissy break now and hopefully freshen up a bit and now we have to go into this back half of the season and, and get as many wins as possible because, yeah, it's getting going to be very close end. So we have to come in hot and firing and hopefully potentially even get some bonus points along the way to, to make sure we seal that top two finish. Yeah, love it. And you have a very incredibly special talent, which is being able to bowl right and left arm. Now, just for your knowledge, I can also bowl right and left arm, but I've never played anything above Div 5 local <laughs> cricket. So how does that how does that come about, first of all, when you're, when you're coming through the grades? And secondly, how do you use it in a game? What is your mindset when it comes to starting to bowl left arm? Yeah, well, I first found out that I could do it was... Um, playing backyard cricket with against my brother and some friends and family where instead of going in crying to mum and dad that um, I couldn't get my brother out, I thought I know what came acro uh, across me, but I thought I'd just give it a crack and landed it. And um, dad was up on the balcony watching and said to me, was that your left arm? And yeah, so I guess ever since then, I've known that I've been able to do it. But I guess um, as as I got older, I got a bit of criticism knowing uh, – towards it. Um, so I put it away for a few years there, um, being told that it's more work and more pressure on myself uh, to having to then add another facet to the game. So yeah, like I said, I put it away for a little bit, but um, since moving back, well, moving down to Adelaide, uh, Luke and the support staff have been, have backed me uh, a lot in that. So started to really work hard on that again and um, get that to the standard that I like. And 
yeah, it kind of just goes to matchups with how I bring it out. Um, we do a lot of a uh, lot of planning before games on on weaknesses in in the batters. So we have yeah have the matchups. So I know going into a game who isn't as strong against left arm spin. So um, yeah, I was able to bring it out a bit more this season in the big bash and um, and yeah, hopefully it's something that I can continue to develop over the years and, and really have it as a weapon under my belt. Do you have any memorable left arm wickets? <laughs> um, I'd probably say there was one last year in, um, in Big Bash. I got Alice Capsi out, um, who's obviously an international for England. So that was something pretty special. Uh, I think I remember someone said that she didn't actually know that I changed the left arm. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's the whole point and purpose of me doing that is bringing it into deceive the batter and um, yeah, got her bold. So I was quite happy with the delivery that, um, that I got her out with and um, hopefully I can take a few more wickets over the years to come. Well, we certainly hope so as well, Gemma. Good luck for the rest of the season. Obviously, you're on, us, you're on with us for the rest of the show, but uh, it's great having you in the studio today and look forward to seeing how the Scorps go for the rest of the season and obviously we, as we strive for back-to-back-to-back to back to back with the Strikers next year. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on the show today. No, thank you. So we're going to take a short break on the Saka Cricket Show. Whilst we do that, why don't you jump online and grab yourself a ticket to watch the Strikers tonight taking on the Thunder. Can we skittle them for 15 again? I'm not so sure, but uh, I'm sure the boys will be giving it their best crack. So we'll see you after the break. You're listening to the Saka Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the Strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, you're back. It's the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling and Gemma Barsby. Don't forget, you can catch up via the podcast. Just search for the Sacker Cricket Show wherever you get your podcasts and you'll be able to catch up with all the latest content from the show. So we have a special guest, obviously my co-host from last week. Uh, it is Jason Dizzy Gillespie on the line. Let's talk about tonight's game. Dizzy, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, pleasure, Trav, and g'day, Gemma. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. <laughs> so, Diz, how have you been keeping the boys up and about? We've had a long wait for our first game. They've, our international recruits have been in town for a couple of weeks. How have you kept them up and about, given the long wait for the first game? Yeah, I think the boys have played a lot of golf trap, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's It has been a long... Uh, after, on December 9, obviously, we, we didn't get underway, which was a real shame uh, due to the weather. And then we, with the quirk of the schedule, because of the West Test, we had a 10-day break. And uh, so it's... Yeah, it's, it's been – we gave the boys a bit of time off, uh, a few days away. A couple of the interstate lads went home. Um, then when we came back, we, we've just had some really good uh, training sessions, which has been um, which has been fantastic. The boys have been very specific about what they want to get out of it and be ready. We've had some good batting and bowling meetings um, and going through footage, and um, it, which has been really good. But the boys are just ready to play now. So the last couple of days has been very much led by the players get what you need um, and then get out of here um, because they're ready to play and uh, we're really excited to, to play uh, tonight against the Thunder in front of our uh, home fans. You know, we, we firmly believe we've got the best fans in the country and um, that's backed up by, uh, by how many people come and watch us play, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. So we're hoping for a great crowd tonight. I think there's still some tickets available, so I encourage everyone to, to get their tickets and, and get down and support the boys. Yeah, obviously you said you're playing the Thunder tonight uh, and last year you rolled them for 15. Uh, who are the key players and matchups for tonight that you're looking forward to? 
Yeah, I mean that that was a Jen, That was a crazy <laughs> night that uh, that was at, at the showgrounds where where we knocked them over fifteen. It was just a. I'm not sure we'll see see the likes of that again anytime soon. But uh, but certainly we feel we match up quite well uh, against the Sydney Thunder. We, we know they've got some real threats. They've got in their middle order. They've got some dangerous hitters. Uh, they've got obviously Alex Hales and Cameron Bancroft up top. Um, I think Banners is a great recruit for them. Um, so we've got to be really wary of them. And they've got some uh, guys who can who can play spin really well as well. And uh, so so they've got all bases covered. We know we're going to have to compete hard um, and, and play well to compete with these guys. But we feel we do match up quite nicely. I think with, with our our top order, uh, I think we can we can look to look to impact uh, early in the game and then. We've shored up our middle order. Uh, obviously, we've got uh, Hose, Overton, and Basley uh, there, who can, who, who are good strikers of the ball. Um, so hopefully, if our top four can set the platform, and then they, they can be the uh, the cream on the cake, I suppose, uh, for a term of phrase. And uh, hopefully, we can post um, you know some competitive totals. Yeah, obviously you recruited well, like you said, with a few of the boys there, with Jamie Overton, David Payne, Darcy Short coming from Hobart as well. Who are you most excited to? To watch this season and um, hope to probably stand out and perform for you guys. Oh, Jim, you put me on the spot there. I thought I'd single <laughs> out one person, uh, but but look, I'm excited for all the guys that, that we've recruited. Um, you know, it's it's um, you know they're they're very excited to be here and and, and want to show show the fans what they can do. Um, you know, also you know Jakey Weatherald who. Uh, uh, Played the first part of the tournament and struggled a little bit last year, and then had a bit of time off. Um, you know, he's certainly uh, refreshed and ready to go, and and he has got a role in the middle order uh, this season. And um, you know, we think he can have a massive impact. Um, so really excited uh, for him, and and I'm excited for Matt Short. You know, he's he's been given the captaincy of the franchise. Um, he did that one game last year where um, he got his got a hundred, and we chased two twenty nine. Uh, which was an amazing achievement. Um, but, you know, he's got the reins full-time now, so I'm excited to see what, what he can bring and uh, and build on his form. He's, he's obviously got into the Australian side on the back of his BBL um, BBL with the Adelaide Strikers for the last couple of years. So um, I hope, looking forward to seeing how Matt uh, leads the side. He, he's been, you know, we've had some really good conversations in our in our strategy meetings and, and, you know, he's very clear on how he wants to go about it as a leader and, um, and how he wants to um, wants us to play. So you know, it's 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 very exciting. Yeah, and you you obviously made a really good point there about Matt Short's captaincy. Diz. he um, he's been with the Strikers since 2018, so he's been over for a few years now. Have you seen his sort of development over the over the five years? What what's he what's he got? What's he changed in his game to get him to the point where he's become a leader of the group and and one of the stars of the competition? Yeah, Trav, it's <laughs> he's a great story, Matt. Because when we, we first recruited him, we, we knew he was a very talented cricketer, um, but we, we probably kept searching for a role for him uh, in the first couple of seasons. He, you know, I did make a promise to him. I said, said once we find a role for you, mate, we'll uh, give you a good run at it. And uh, so he, he, I think he batted in every position at one point and uh, and bowled in every phase. Um, he is a very good utility player, but. Uh, at the time, we had at the top of the order, we always had Weatherall, Carey, Travis Head, uh, these guys available all the time. And, and then obviously with Kez and Trav um, getting opportunities playing for Australia, there was a position at the top of the order. And, uh, and I said to Matt, here's the opportunity that you've been waiting for, mate. I'm going to give you a really good run at it and, uh, and show us what you can do. And 
here we are, Trav, and he's, he's now captain yeah. and uh, has, has played really well. And, and I suppose it's a, it's a great story and, uh, in a sense that, you know, once players, you know, uh, are given an opportunity, an extended run to, to make a spot their own, um, you know, it's up to the player ultimately to, to grab that opportunity with both hands. And, and Matt, Matt Short has certainly done that. Um, obviously become a really important player for us and um, and now getting the reins as captain um, you know hopefully it can uh, it can propel him to, to further success which would be great absolutely and there's another guy that you've just recruited who can bowl and bat as well now I don't like to take any credit for it but last week I interviewed a guy by the name of Josh Can. now I had no idea of what was happening behind the scenes but he has been signed for the Strikers as a replacement player. Tell us a bit about Josh. Yeah, last week, Trevor, I had to keep my mouth shut it was, um, <laughs> <laughs> when we were chatting away, and I know you were you were bigging him up. But uh, but yeah, Josh uh, plays for the Northern Jets um, in um, in Premier Cricket here in South Australia. Uh, has had a couple of little opportunities um, in the past as a as a replacement player in the, in the BBL. Um, so he, he comes in, obviously, with Travis and uh, Alex Carey away for extended periods. We just feel that uh, it was an opportunity to, to, to give someone a chance in, in the because there is, is a fair chance that towards the back end of the tournament, we're going to lose uh, some players to other tournaments. So, obviously, Chris Lynn, uh, Adam Hose, Jamie Overton um, have got commitments um, before the end of Big Bash. So... Um, we feel we lose lose some um, lose some firepower there, and we, well, we just felt we we could just top up and uh, in case in case anyone's needed. Um, this is and we thought Josh Can uh, has been performing well for Northern Northern Districts in the in the T uh, Twenty comp, and we thought it was a, a no brainer to, to get him in and and get him around the group and get him training with the boys and uh, being around. And then if an opportunity presents itself, and we feel that. Uh, you know he he's the right fit in in a in a fixture then then he'll get an opportunity but uh, but really excited to have him on board uh, he's a clean striker of the ball uh, he bats at the top for the northern jets and uh, i think on, on sunday i went and watched him and he, he got 80 off about 40 balls so um, he's in pretty good nick yeah i guess that's a a good sign for i guess like you said you picked him up from the premier cricket for i guess striving for guys striving um at that level to show that if you put consistent consistency um, out there with performances that you can actually uh, get contracts somewhere else. So uh, credit to, to Josh in, in that aspect that um, you guys picked him up for the performances he had at club cricket. Yeah, I, I think, Jim, you, you want to try and reward uh, performances um, in in local cricket. Um, I, I suppose one-off one off, uh, bowling innings or one-off adding innings is probably not going to cut it. But, you know, if players are day in, day out, consistently, you know, putting up strong numbers. You know, we, you know, it's it's the right thing to do is to have a look at that. And uh, and and we've just seen, and specifically as well, it's a it's a role that um, we potentially will need, uh, particularly towards the back end of the tournament, especially if we lose, lose a little bit of firepower, whether it be up near the top of the order or in the middle. Uh, we feel uh, Josh uh, could potentially fulfil a role there for us. Yeah, love it. And um, with the big first game, well, take two of the first game in mind tonight. How, <laughs> how important are the Strikers fans? You, you touched on it at the start of the start of the catch up, but how important is it to see our Strikers fans down at the Oval tonight? 
We absolutely love it, Trav. It's um, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the the 12th man, the 13th man uh, there for us, supporting us. Um, we know we've got the best fans in the country. Um, that they, they support us through thick and thin. You know, we've had a couple of seasons. Uh, we've had a couple of fantastic seasons. Um, you know, year before last season, you know, we, we were one catch away from playing in the final. Um, you know, last season, we started off in a blaze of glory and then, then really fell away. Um, but the support never wavered. That's the, the beauty of it. And, you know, we see the kids out there... Um, you know, while they want us to win, they they just want to see their heroes. You know, go out there and and play play for the uh, strikers. So, you know, and our boys. Uh, one thing I'm really proud of our players. You know, win, lose or draw, the lads get out there and and show their appreciation for the for the fans by getting out there with selfies, uh, taking having having the photos taken, selfies, uh, autographs. Um, it, they're absolutely brilliant. They want to want to say thank you to the to all the fans that come out and support us. And you know, as I said, there's tickets are still available. We'd love to see as many of our fans there rocking the blue, um, the strikers blue, and uh, down there supporting the boys because I know how much the lads, how much energy it gives the lads seeing everyone out there and cheering cheering them on. Love it, Dizzy. Well, we want to say thank you to you. Always so generous with your time. Good luck for tonight. Good luck for the season. No doubt we'll see you on the show again soon. No worries. Thanks, Trav. Thanks, Jim. Keep going there, Jim. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks, Diz. Thanks, Diz. And with that in mind, with that in mind, don't forget to head down and support the Strikers tonight at Adelaide Oval against the Thunder. Now, Gemma, I have heard that Santa is going to be in the members area tonight. So have you put in your wish list to Santa for this year? Yeah, I think I've just just scraped in to be on the on the a nice list instead of the naughty for a change. So <laughs> hopefully I get, uh, yeah, can put my wish list in. Well, head down to the SACA members area tonight and our SACA members can take home a free photo with them as well. So head down and support the Strikers tonight. After the break, we'll have Alex Price, the captain of the Sturt District Cricket Club, to talk about their T20 Premiership and her cricket season in Premier Cricket. You're listening to the SACA Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling. Focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the Strikers in their quest for glory. Welcome back. It's Travis Wakeling and Gemma Barsby here in Studio Lumo, number one King William Street, Adelaide. It's the Sacker Cricket Show. We've just had Jason Dizzy Gillespie join us to talk about the Strikers game tonight. Now we have a very special guest out of Premier Cricket in South Australia. It's Alex Price of the Sturt Cricket Club. Alex, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. That's yeah, mate. It's so good to have you on. Obviously, you've we've seen you around the WBBL, um, and you've been playing some local cricket over the last couple of years and doing incredibly well. You've just taken out the T Twenty Premiership. How does that feel? Yeah, no, it's nice because uh, yeah, it's good to go back to back as well because um, yeah, we've had a couple good years, I suppose, at Sturt. Um, yeah, no, so that was really cool. Unfortunately, it was a bit of a washout so <laughs> but yeah luckily enough we um had a good weekend before and won both of our games and finished on top so yeah so yeah, how does I that suppose... explain to the listeners how that works obviously you won the the game was the game was washed out you didn't get any play in the end did you no nah, no nah. so I think there was something like 30 mils the day before of rain and then yeah so because we finished on top of the ladder um cricket's one of those funny things where if you finish on top and it get, gets washed out there's no you know, making up for it, you just win. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, we were pretty fortunate in the end because we, I think we were sitting fourth um, <laughs> before 
um, the weekend before the grand final. Oh, really? And then after the two games on um, that weekend, we won both of them and just ended up um, on top. So it was a pretty close competition in the end. But, yeah, we did actually – we still beat Glenelg on that weekend. So we kind of <laughs> felt like, you know, we'd kind of played our final that weekend. Yeah. So. <laughs> Obviously being a captain of Sturt for a number of years now and you're going very well at the moment. Top of the uh, Premier for Premier Cricket for batting with 214 runs at 53. How do you see your form at the moment? Uh, well, I'm at a duck on the weekend. So. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> mention that. You're only as good as your last game, aren't you? Um, <laughs> no, I, I've been going all right. It's um, obviously, you know, a bit different from you know, um, having played, you know, um, for the state and all of that, like you only get <laughs> one hit a week now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's a bit different, but yeah, I think it's, um, been really good cause I've been able to like put the club first, um, because you know, the club's been so good to me uh, for so long and, um, yeah, it's nice to actually put the club first a bit more, um, now. Uh, so yeah, it's been really cool. And, you know, we have a really, really fun group of people, lots of, characters um lots of loud voices which is you know can be challenging at times but it's really yeah it's so much fun and yeah I um yeah love just love the group that I'm playing with at the moment but yeah like I said you're only as good as your last your last game so (laughs) yeah Uh, like you said you guys are are back-to-back t20 champions and you just kind of touched on it a bit there what do you put the success down to Oh, look, like we, we do have a lot of really good players, but I think like our group, we're, we're a pretty close-knit group and I think, you know, we've actually built a really, really strong, um, you know, culture and, you know, like most of the girls that we have, you know, have played at the club for 10-plus years now. So I think everyone's getting a bit older, a bit stronger, you know. Um, people really know their game a lot more, you know, so I think – like the team that we had on the weekend, everyone was, you know, over 21 or 22. So everyone's kind of getting older and, you know, yeah, more mature. So, yeah, I think having played together for so long now, you know, like um, Annie O'Neill and Emma Debro, you know, they've been at the club since they were 10. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it comes down to, you know, having played together and knowing each other really well. Um, but, yeah, also, you know, with Rihanna Pete being an, you know, she still plays a little bit when we need her to, but, you know, her um, coaching now um, has been really, really strong for us and she knows the club inside out because she's played there for about 15 years. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, pretty pretty cool to have, you know, a past player slash plays when we need her um, as coach because, yeah, she really drives the standards that have been, you know, passed on from the likes of like Shelly Nitschke and, um, you know, so, yeah, I think it's really cool to have someone like her and, um, you know, leading the group, but also having players who have played at the club for such a long time. So I think, yeah, it's probably, you know, a mix of a lot of things. But, yeah, I think those um, two things are probably the most important things is keeping that strong core group together for so long, which is probably the same with, um, you know, the strikers' success as well that you had, Gem. So congrats on that. I haven't seen you much since. So. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, obviously, yeah, like you just said there, you've been playing club cricket for quite a while now in South Australia. How do you see, I guess, the development in the women's premier cricket in SA? Yeah, I think it's really strong. I think we've got, like, a lot of really good young players coming through like I know um 
Eleanor Rosa. She just made 100 in the 19s and took five for as well. So, you know, like we've got some really strong um, younger group of girls and I think, you know, having them become you know, more, it's definitely more professional from when I was playing under 18s. I don't, I don't think I did a running session um, <laughs> ever when we played the under 18s. So I think it's far more professional and, um, you know, you've got like lots of girls that are pushing for, you know, Scorpions contracts or, um, or who are already in the Scorpions squad. So yeah, it's obviously a lot more professional and girls can, you know, really, I suppose in their later years of the under-19s, they can really start thinking about, um, you know, what they want to do with their cricket and it's actually a, you know, a job um, prospect for them as well. So I think having that in the back of, uh, at the forefront of their mind really um, is like such a, such a big thing um, for women in cricket as well. So it's, yeah, pretty cool to be able to, you know, look at like a Beth Worthley who plays at Sturt. She's, um, you know, just made her first hundred and really trying to like put her hand up for Scorpions um, contracts and stuff like that in the future. So it's nice that she, you know, can be like that is a job prospect for her um, in the next few years or whenever that, if that ever happens for her. But yeah, it's, it's just, I think that's the coolest part. Um, Yeah. Just seeing the development in you know, just the women's game in general. And obviously you're a leader around the club, Alex, and it would be really remiss of me not to uh, have an interview with you and address a little bit of a reputation that you've uh, you made for yourself <laughs> at the at the Strikers, uh, which you were there, yes. for, there for six seasons. So I'm going to play something back to you, and I just want to know what your thoughts are on this. <laughs> Moving on now to questions about Alex Price. Oh, jeez. What's one word you'd use to describe Alex Price? Annoying. Annoying. Different. <laughs> Quirky. If I should stay, oh God. I would only be in your way. Oh, it sounds good, doesn't it? That does sound good, actually, Alex. I was quite impressed by it. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's aged well, hasn't it? It's, um, it's as, just as good as I remember it. What did you do to your teammates to, uh, to cop that criticism at the start there? Oh. Look, if you spend more than half an hour around me, I think you'd probably figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I think even on the weekend, Rihanna Pete and all the girls were saying, I hope you and Josie Dooley never make ducks ever again because we were just so irritating on the boundary um, around our teammates. So, yeah, it's I think, yeah, spend longer than half, around, half an hour around me and I think most people were probably pretty done. So, <laughs> Did you strive for it or is it just something that happened? Oh, I don't mind it. Um, <laughs> I, I like to, um, yeah, just get in people's ear a fair bit. I uh, whether they're on my team or on a, on the other team, I don't really care. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd encourage yeah. our listeners to jump onto YouTube, search uh, Alex Price, Player Mike, uh, on the WBBL, and you'll be able to see plenty of content. So, Alex, thank you so much <laughs> for coming on the show. It's been really great speaking to you. And like you said, we would love to have you on the show for half an hour. But obviously, with radio, we have certain amounts of time, and so we might have got to see a little bit more, or maybe you might have even sung us a song. But maybe next time, hey? No, I think this is probably the best of me. You know, about <laughs> ten minutes is about. Is about enough. So, <laughs> no, well, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, really Alex. Appreciate it. Much appreciated. Thanks,
And so Thank you. <laughs> coming up next, we are bringing in a blast from the past for Redbacks fans. It's someone who would have made an excellent night watchman back in the day. It's the ultra-reliable fast bowler. Paul Rofe will be with us right after the break. You're listening to the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, you're back on the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling and Gemma Barsby. We've just had a wonderful chat with Alex Price from the T20 Premier Cricket Competition. We've also had Dizzy with us on the show today and a great chat with Gemma to start. So if you have missed any of the show, don't forget you can catch up on our Sacker Cricket Show podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now we have our Night Watchman segment, which is a favourite part of the show for mine. Gemma, are you looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, great to get insight in in a past player and what they're up to these days. Love it. Well, today we have a Redbacks champion by the name of Paul Rofe. Paul played 70 first-class matches and had an incredible record with the ball. We're going to talk about some of his exploits with the bat as well. But first of all, let's welcome him to the show. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be on the show this afternoon. Love it. So, what, what are you what are you up to these days? You, are you still around Adelaide, or are you are you living interstate? Um, so, Travis, I've been in Melbourne for the last six and a half years. Um, we moved over. My family and I moved over. And my three boys and my wife, uh, Elspeth, moved over six and a half years ago um, to pursue my career in transport. Um, and like I said, I've worked for a few businesses, including Toll. Um, and I'm still in transport now. But strangely enough, I'm actually working for a company that's based out of Adelaide um, called Felix Transport. It's a newish uh, career business, and I look after the Melbourne uh, sort of operations over here at the moment. Great. Yeah, Paul. So obviously a former Redback yourself. Um, firstly, have you been watch, keeping an eye on the Redbacks? And if so, what have you probably thought of their last two years? Obviously, they've recruited a few interstaters. Uh, how do you see how they're going and what the future looks like for the Redbacks? Uh, I would like to think that they've actually turned a bit of a corner this year. Um, it's interesting you say that because uh, my son and I, Sterling, I've got a 13-year-old, 13, uh, Sterling, who's a half-decent cricketer. We actually went down and had a really good watch of the guys training in, I think it was October, just during the school holiday period. Um, had a good chat to Diz um, and the lads and physio and stuff. And, um, and it was very fascinating listening to what they're focusing on. They said they really dug into the fact that they hadn't taken a lot of catches the last few years. Um, they really started to get to understand how to get more runs out of their tail enders um, and just really, really getting some clear parameters for their batsmen as well. Um, and based on what I was hearing from Diz um, and the guys in October, I think they've been able to um, execute a lot of that stuff in certainly in the four-day games um, over the last few months. Um, so there's some pretty good signs there. I must, I must admit, it's always been challenging, in my opinion, to win a lot of games when you play at the Adelaide Oval because it is a it is hot and dry. Um, and so some of the other teams you know, have... Uh, conditions that are more conducive to a victory, um, but I think they're starting to. It's starting to look like they're getting, they're optimising their ability. Is the best way to put it, I think. Yeah, I think it's obviously an exciting time, time for the Redbacks. Now, onto yourself. You had a wonderful career for South Australia and a record with the ball that stacks up with some of the great first-class cricketers out of Australia. How do you reflect on your career? Um, I. It's funny. I've actually spent a lot more time. 
around cricket recently because my boys are starting to grow up and I'm doing some coaching and that. But uh, I always, I always speak that I was very grateful for the experience of being a professional cricketer for as long as I was. Uh, I had nearly 13 years in the system, um, which is a really long time compared to a lot of people who only get a few seasons. Um, and I got to experience basically everything. So. I played junior under-19s for Australia. I um, played first-class cricket for South Australia for a long time, as you said. I got to play county cricket in England as a first-class pro. Uh, played Prime Minister's 11 games, Australia A. I was cricket of the year. I had like lots of things. Like um, I just had pretty much every experience. Probably the only thing I didn't do was play a test match, which um, you know, is just the way it is, right? Um, and so I just really love the fact that I could, when I walked away, I was like, I could, I almost sort of shrugged my shoulders and go, well, I've really been, I've tasted everything, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that's what I'm the most grateful for is that um, a lot of those, you know, depending on the, the scenario, you know, there might be three really good quicks in your state and, and you don't get a game, right? Um, or you have to move states. And I, and I didn't have to do any of those things. I just, I had an opportunity when I was very young um, and I was able to capitalize on that. And it meant that I had a very long, and, and I would really say enjoyable career, I would say, um, in hindsight. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, like you said, you've got a son coming through the ranks now and you said you've played all around the world. Do you pass on much of that experience of, of what you've been through to, to your son or you kind of let him come through and develop his oh, own path? Oh, I'm, I'm giggling as you say that because... Um, <laughs> So early on, I think I was a bit more laid back around whether the boys played cricket or not. But now that all three of them are sort of into it, and my oldest one particularly is starting to show some signs of being capable, um, it's a bit hard not to <laughs> to give my two cents worth. Um, so, but on the flip side, I think I try to explain it to him and say, ultimately, it doesn't matter where he ends up. Um, I think I just really enjoy the fact that they we have something to share. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and really, and really like bond over. Um, and like we have some great cricket games now with the three boys in the backyard and myself. And um, and it's almost, you know, you have to pinch yourself. It's so exciting. It's so much fun, right? Um, and it's actually made me really re, almost re-fall in love with um, with cricket again after, you know, being away from it for a while whilst I got my career up and going. So, no, it's a, it's a really – we're in a really actually special time at the moment in our house. Yeah, no doubt some pretty competitive backyard cricket games as well. <laughs> no, it's very good. It is funny, though, watching the youngest who just flat out refuses to bowl. Uh, he's just like – he just bats and bats and bats. As soon as it's his time to bowl, he just goes, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go inside. That's, a, no, that's the funniest. So they don't look back at your record, obviously – well – that son in particular doesn't look back at your rec- your batting average. Obviously, you played seventy first class games. Oh no 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 no! They know everything. They know everything about my numbers because they've all got phone. Oh, he's got a phone now. They know all about my stats. He goes, Dad, you, did you did you know that your high school was only twenty five? You're like twenty five. <laughs> that's terrible. That's ridiculous. I said, come on, man. I said, you don't know how hard the standard is. You like to face these boys. It's not that easy. Well, that's the whole reason you're on the show, mate, because of your batting. So oh, we... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, just I, actually wanted... impro- I actually improved a lot over the years, so we can talk about that now when you're ready. That's right. Well, <laughs> well I just wanted to touch on, there was a really cool uh, initiative back in the day. You played in a time where batters could hit the ING sponsor sign and win 50 grand. Yes. Now, I don't think you ever hit that, but you did play in some games where uh, Graham Anu and Mark Cosgrove might have hit it. Correct. And what probably, so the prize money used to range between, I think it was 50 grand. Sometimes it, it, it uh, what do you call it, banked or it uh, rolled over every every week until it just kept going or jackpotted or whatever you call it. So I think one year, I'm certain there was a, a Graham Manu hit, it was 70 or 80 grand or something. Wow. And so we all got a share of it. Um, 
so when you see the footage, like the replays of it, so Graham hits the sign and he and Nathan Adcock are standing in the middle and they're hugging and cheering <laughs> and all the boys in the rooms are going off as well because <laughs> they know they've all got five grand coming their way. Yeah. So um, yeah. uh, it was, um, it's a it's a very, when you look back at it, you go, it's a pretty corny sort of yeah. thing. But um, Bring it back, but it I say. It certainly uh, stands out. You go, it kind of dates those games, but you go, oh yeah, those signs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I remember like Steve, Steve Waugh hit one. Someone from New South Wales hit one at a jackpot for like 200 grand. So um, wow. there was some – and I, I think what you probably – we forget is that as players – like we did earn money back then. We were professionals, but we weren't earning the money they were earning – they are earning now. Yeah. Or at least the cash wasn't as much. So getting an extra 10 or 15 grand or whatever it was, um, you know, it was a significant impact. Absolutely. Well, I want to take you back to another game from those times. It was uh, November 2005. You were playing against Queensland in Adelaide and you had a pretty good game actually. So you took four for 56 with the ball in the first innings. Mm-hmm. Queensland Queensland actually ended up making 360-odd and Andrew Simons hit half of those. So you played against a pretty formidable lineup and then you had some rain-affected days. It was four, so South Australia at the beginning of day four was sitting at three for 89 in their first innings, decided to declare. Queensland then declared at five for 99. And then we had another opportunity to bat and make 353. Mm-hmm. You were the last man standing at the end. What do you remember of that game? Can you, can you talk our listeners through what was happening uh, at the end of that game? So... There's actually there's actually a backstory, like a personal backstory to that to that moment. In that, up until I, th- I think up until that season, I was probably averaging five, maybe four or five with the bat. Like it, it, it may have been as low as that, right? Um, and I actually started my career wasn't so bad. I, I remember I got off the off with an eighteen not hour, something like seventeen or whatever, and I wasn't that bad. But I really hit a wall. I reckon I got hit. I got pinned in the helmet really badly in Sydney one year. I just really lost my confidence and took and it was a couple of years and then i remember in 04 05 i was sort of i really scraping the bottom of the bowels like, i've got to address this like i can't i can't just let my brain keep going like this um and so that winter was the first uh, turning point in 2005 when i started to actually practice properly um and we came up with a new strategy so my mentor and i we said i sort of stopped we said let, let's stop worrying about your technique and let's worry about you making the most of what you have right which is you're big and tall um, and you've got a half decent cover drive. You're actually not bad in defence, but generally speaking, I just was like swinging at the ones that weren't there, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, and then we also just started practicing like just way more. So I'd like I would hit balls for an hour a day, right, um, to try and get my my hours up. And um, I really turned the corner. So, you know, I I believe that that game was probably one of the turning points where. Um, I think I faced, you know, it's 20 odd balls or something um, for the game, for the innings. 23 to be precise. Or pro- 23, yeah. So prior to that, like I, I was, I would be lucky to face six balls. It had gotten so bad. Um, and that was a turning point. And I remember it vividly because Andy Bickle bowled to me at the end, I'm certain. And I remember um, they were always very vocal, Queensland, very vocal. Like in, and in a time where you know, the, there was no sports, what do you call Spirit of Cricket Award, um, <laughs> like there is these days. So it, it was pretty, like they're pretty confrontational, which is, it was par for the course back then. Um, but I can remember Andy Bickle, every ball he would bowl to me, he would run all the way down the wicket and stand within a, a, you know, a centimetre of me, just being silly. Um, and because they were sort of expecting that I would just topple over any ball. But uh, 
based on the practice I had done, I was like, no, I'm just going to be prepared to get hit if I get hit. Um, if I can take a single and get up the end, we'll take that. Um, and then I just started to work out, you know, that I could use my you know, teammate up the end, other end, to if I could if I could scramble a single and get off strike, that's five balls I didn't have to face. And then we'd just do it again the next over. And right. you were batting with the best um, night watchman of all time, Dizzy, down the other end. Did he have any on advice? That, oh, no, exactly. Um, and I can still remember we had six slips in. And then I started to think about it. I was like, like they've got no fielders. So a couple of times I actually bunted one um, to the leg side and we scrambled a single and I didn't have to face the rest of the over and we just waste, chewed up another five minutes. So um, for me personally, it was a really pivotal moment in my batting um, sort of, uh, what do you call it, aspect of my cricket. Um, and I think I, I remember vividly that season, I only got out twice, ended up averaging nearly 30 that year. Well done. Um, yeah, compared Formidable. to five prior to that. <laughs> So, no, it's a funny one that you bring up because um, I not only was having a really good season with the ball that year, um, it was just it was a it was a bit of a turning point for my all-around cricket. And I can remember after the game, um, oh, geez, Queensland were angry. I think they were just frustrated. They couldn't get me out. They're probably more embarrassed than anything. Um, and I remember them, uh, Andy Bickle chasing me. They were still having a crack at me after the last ball bowled as I was walking out the gate. And I think the umpires actually had to tell them to stop. Um, that's how frustrated they were um, about the situation, which actually just made me laugh in yeah. the end. Well, mate, um, it, was a, it was a very good bowling lineup. So for the listeners, you were facing up to uh, Andy Bickle, Michael Kasperwich, and a young Mitchell Johnson who was just coming through yes. the ranks at that time, and Andrew Simons in support with his, uh, with his offies. And I reckon, I would, from memory, I took the Andy Bickle end and Dizzy took Mitchell Johnson. And I reckon I had to face two or three balls from Mitch out of that hour, you know, 40 minutes or so that I batted. Um, and, 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 and it was, and, in, and Andy Bickle was a good bowler, but facing Mitchell Johnson was, I, I, I don't know, five times harder. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. I, can, I can imagine he was very uh, all over the place and wayward, but could bowl a very fast ball early, oh, early and, in his career. And steep bounce for, yeah. uh, for a guy that was six foot three, steep bounce. Yeah. Unreal. No, no. So that's a very interesting memory, actually, that one, Travis. Yeah, well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm sitting here with a smile of a Cheshire cat because I was a huge fan of uh, of the Redbacks coming through and used to sit in the stands and watch the uh, the Pura Cup and, and the ING Cup back in the day. And uh, it's great to have you on the show and uh, really appreciate it. And all the best uh, with with your, the young fella coming through and, and your uh, your career in, in Melbourne. And we look forward to seeing you back around Adelaide Oval at some stage. No, we'll do. No, I'll be over there for Christmas seeing mum and dad and, um, and parents-in-law and everything. So, no, no, uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be able to uh, revisit some of that stuff because uh, all those memories are buried in there and it is a joy, like you said, to walk through it because, um, as I was saying, it's a very unique experience that all of us get to have playing at that level. Thank you. And thank you to Paul Rowe for coming on the Saka Cricket Show this week. So we have... No show next week, unbelievably. We've just done two, and now we have to have a break because it's Boxing Day. So all I can say, Gemma, is thank you for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and let's get you on some more. I think you've, I think you've earned yourself another spot. Oh, thank you, thank you. And, yeah, hopefully I can rejoin you in the future. Absolutely. You got some plans for Christmas, Gem? Yeah, going back home to Brisbane and spend a week up there with the family. So that would be nice to get back there and relax and switch off for a little bit. Beautiful. That sounds wonderful. Well, don't spend too much time up there because we want you back playing some cricket for the Scorpions for the rest of this season. Well, to all of our SEN listeners and Saka Cricket Show fans, we are wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Don't forget that if you 
got the time tonight. Head down to Adelaide Oval and support the Strikers. Otherwise, we'll see you New Year's Eve. Have a wonderful Christmas break, and we'll see you early January. Cheers.